0: I was at an antique pipe shop last weekend, and I talked to the owner a little bit, and he was talking to me about how he really wants to try to come across not intimidating, because he he mentioned how everybody, it seems when they're getting into smoking pipes, uh, they seem very intimidated by it, like there's so much to learn, and there's people who know so much more than them. And it was actually crazy talking to him about it because I was like, that is the exact purpose for the podcast. And it really reaffirmed to me why kind of the direction of the podcast, because it's easy to get carried away and try to be the perfect, you know, whiskey knowledge, be the guy who knows everything about whiskey and be the guy who uh, is just crazy experienced with whiskey And that's not who I kind of set out to be with this podcast. I set out to be welcoming. I set out to uh, be more lighthearted with whiskey and just having a good time. Uh, And I also never set out to be the guy who knows absolutely everything about whiskey. So I just want to reestablish that a little bit. And. I thought it seemed so relevant. I thought it was crazy that he was telling me that um, because pipes, cigars, they're all kind of the same idea where they can be super intimidating when you're first getting into them. And the point of this podcast is to make that a little bit less intimidating for the new people um, and still provide entertainment for people who've been around for a while uh, and who've been drinking whiskey for a while. Uh, so I, I just wanted to keep that in mind as we move forward. Uh, this episode is going to be about Scotch whiskey, uh, similar to the bourbon episode, except about Scotch. And I want to mention that especially with Scotch, there are people who know way more about Scotch than I do. Uh, there are people who that is what they do. Now, there are people like that with bourbon as well. Uh, they there's they both have their own specific kind of cult following, and so I want uh, to just Put that out there right now—that this is meant to be uh, getting your average whiskey noob or whiskey enthusiast just kind of up to date on what scotch is and how it works, how the regions of Scotland work. Uh, I'm not going to be that guy who's had six bottles of whiskey from each region of Scotland. I'm not. I'm not you know, a cult follower of scotch. I've mentioned before, I like all of the whiskeys, so this is meant to be a little bit more just laid back, fun, like I said before, unintimidating, just to get you up to date on scotch, uh, in case you want to get more into drinking scotch, or you just want to be able to have a conversation about scotch. Okay, so, let's start off with a little bit of a fun fact. If you think you heard that whiskey originated in Scotland, uh, but you also think you heard that whiskey originated in Ireland... It's because you have. (laughs) There's a lot of debate online about where it started, and if you look in a lot of places, they're going to tell you that it started in Scotland. Uh, They're going to tell you that the first um, recorded instance of whiskey was in Scotland. And apparently that was true, and then there's also been recorded instances very close to the same time in Ireland. Um, So now it's kind of a debate online as to whether it started in Scotland or Ireland, from what I have seen. And I'm sure there will be people listening who are like, no, 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 it definitely started this place. Um, But I just wanted to start with that because I think that's pretty cool Uh, It definitely didn't start in America Bourbon started in America, but whiskey itself did not So I wanted to start with that because I think that's pretty cool Now, why is whiskey spelled different in the title of this episode? This is where we're getting into what Scotch Whiskey is. Uh, The whiskey in the title of this episode does not have an E in it. It's W-H-I-S-K-Y. Whereas the whiskey on the cover art to the show and the title of the overall show, Whiskey Noobs, does have an E in it. The reasoning for that is, in America, we usually have an E. um, In Ireland, we usually have an E pretty much most other places, not so much. Uh, Scotland does not use the E the majority of the time. Canada also sometimes does not. Um, I don't believe Japan does. So, uh, pretty much everywhere else they don't use the E in whiskey. Now I like it with the E, but that's because that's how I was raised reading it. Uh, so I think that's pretty interesting and and just kind of a weird thing about whiskey that it's spelled differently in different places. So, uh, Without further ado, though, we can get into what makes a Scotch whiskey a Scotch whiskey. First and foremost, it's got to be distilled in Scotland. Um, That is why it's called Scotch. It it is a Scot-ish whiskey. It's a Scotch whiskey. Um, A lot of people, I think, don't understand that. And I know that for me, when I was still too young to drink alcohol, uh, and I just heard of scotch, and I heard, you know, people like to do whiskey tastings, and whiskey can have all these sweet flavors, I thought maybe it was just a whiskey that had like a butterscotch taste to it, based on whatever they include in the mash bill, I didn't know what a mash bill was at the time, but I thought, well, however they make this whiskey, it must come out tasting kind of like butterscotch, (laughs) Uh, no, it's actually, it's just because it's from Scotland, I'm sure a lot of people already know that, but I just wanted to clarify it, Um, I know there are a lot of people who aren't in the hobby of whiskey that don't know that. So I figured it's, it's worth mentioning. They have to use water and malted barley in the mash bill. So for scotch, malted barley is essentially what corn is for bourbon. Um, it is the, the base grain that you're going to use for everything. Now for... Uh, just basic scotch, like blended scotches, grain scotches, you're able to use other whole grains or cereals in the mash. Uh, for single malt scotch, you can only have malted barley in the mash bill. Uh, but don't worry about that for the moment. But for scotch in general, malted barley is your base grain. It has to have malted barley in it. Uh, and then you can have other whole grains or cereals added to it. So whole grains or cereals just other ingredients to the mash bill that we've talked about before. Scotch has to be distilled to less than 94.8 alcohol by volume so that it still has the smell and taste of the raw materials used. Now, this is a higher proof than bourbon, if you remember from uh, two weeks ago, but there is still a limit to the proof, as you see. Um, So it's one of those things where they want to make sure that you're not just putting out... Alcohol that just tastes strong, like alcohol, like Everclear, where there's really not any flavor. The idea is to have a flavor to it, which is why these proof laws uh, exist for all these different whiskeys. Uh, now, scotch has to be matured in oak casks of less than 700 liters in size. What makes this different from bourbon is that it doesn't have to be brand new charred oak like bourbon does. Scotch can be matured, it can be finished in used barrels that other spirits used um, which will give it different flavors and that makes it a little different from bourbon because as I mentioned uh, that can tend to put some pretty strong flavors into the alcohol. Uh, and you can't do that with bourbon in order to be considered a bourbon. Now you've got bourbons like angels envy, uh, where they say, well, we took a bourbon and then matured it. And so it's no longer a bourbon, but it, it's a bourbon that has been matured in, uh, I think for angels envy, it's port wine casks. Um, but for Scotch, you you can do that with and it still be considered a Scotch, bourbon. You, it will no longer be a bourbon if you do that. So that's a pretty important difference between the two. Um, other than the mash bill, which is a pretty obvious difference. Now, another important difference uh, is that scotch has to be aged for at least three years. Now, if you remember, bourbon does not have an age limit. You just have to have an age statement if it's under four years. Uh, but scotch has to be aged for a minimum of three years. Um, and once again, the age statement is going to be the youngest whiskey in the bottle. Uh, w- once again, so that you can't have a very, very young whiskey mixed with a very, very old whiskey and advertise as a very, very old whiskey. Uh, so Scotch can only be aged in Scotland. It's got to be produced, distilled, aged in Scotland. Has to retain all of the smell and taste and color from its raw materials, and it can you can only add water or caramel coloring. This was this one was interesting to me when I was reading up on it. Uh, I didn't realize this about Scotch that you can add plain caramel coloring. In bourbon, you can't add any coloring. Bourbon gets its color entirely from the aging process. If it's a true bourbon. Uh, So I thought that was pretty interesting that you can do that for scotch, you can add caramel coloring. Uh, So those are the only things that you're going to be able to add to it though, and you're going to bring it down to a minimum of 40% alcohol by volume. Once again, this is the standard for whiskeys, they're usually going to be a minimum of 40% alcohol by volume. Uh, And once again, you can have whiskeys from Scotland, from uh, America, that are much more than that. But it has to be a minimum of 40% alcohol by volume. You can easily get into the 100 proofs, the 110, 120 proofs. Uh, so one clarification I want to make is what is a single malt? Because I think single malt is probably the most popular in like pop culture. Probably because saying, oh, a single malt scotch whiskey kind of makes it sound like Uh, You really know what you're talking about in, like, pop culture when it's like an actor and actress saying it. So it gets really popular. Um, It's also pretty popular in the whiskey drinking community just because they're really good whiskeys. Typically, they put a lot of time into making a single malt stand out because a single malt is only going to use malted barley and water in the mash bill. Um, So you got to put a lot of time into making it want to stand out, which can really bring out some really cool flavors, Um, and they'll often be aged for quite a while. Like I said, only malted barley and water. Uh, It has to be produced from one distillery, uh, which is a key difference from blended whiskey. Blended whiskey, you can take it from multiple distilleries, and then you have a master blender who's going to add them all together and come up with a good blend that they like. Um, But single malt, that's what makes it different. It has to be at one distillery. Um, So like the best-selling scotch of all time, which uh, tends to be uh, the best-selling whiskey in general, uh, is Johnny Walker. And it is a blended whiskey. They take multiple different whiskeys from different distilleries and they blend them together, which is what gives it such a unique flavor. Uh, It's not a single malt. So I just want to clarify that because I feel like people tend to think that single malts are the only good ones, um, and they're not. There's a lot of really good scotch whiskeys. Uh, so, another thing for single malts is they have to be uh, distilled in pot stills. Blended whiskies, you can use a column still. I, I mentioned the difference between the stills. You can look up the differences if you want. Uh, but single malt has to be in a pot still, which is going to help it retain a little bit more of that flavor, which is why they most likely have that rule. Uh, so then the other type would be a blended whiskey, which I mentioned. They blend multiple different scotches together from different distilleries. Uh, and you could also have grain whiskies in there, like rye, wheat, corn. It does not have to be a just barley and water mash bill for that. Um, and you can blend those all together to make a blended scotch. So it's a lot more loose of rules, which tends to get you a lot more uh, differences in flavors. Uh, uh, so then the last type that I'm going to talk about today, like I said... There's people who go way more in depth about this stuff, but I don't want to bore you, um, is single grain. Uh, single grain is not what you think it's going to be where it's like, oh, they just use rye. It's actually a grain whiskey that comes from a single distillery. It can have multiple grains in it, but it came from a single distillery. Kind of like how single malt, uh, it only has mal- uh, malted barley in it, but it has to come from a single distillery. That's kind of what they mean by single And they typically say that about a scotch whiskey. So, like I mentioned before, it can be finished in different barrels and casts, which gives it a pretty different flavor. That's why you can have just barley and water, but you can get a pretty decent difference uh, in the flavor. Another thing that gives you a difference in flavor that I don't think I've mentioned before on the podcast uh, is the yeast that they use to ferment it. So, when you make that mash, you're going to put yeast in it to ferment it so that it will ferment for those couple of weeks. Uh, and the yeast that you use can make a huge difference in how it's going to taste by the way that it breaks it down, the way that it ferments the whiskey. Um, so I, that's something I don't think I've mentioned before and does have a pretty pretty decent impact on the flavor. Another thing that's going to impact the flavor is going to be where it's produced at. There's different weather conditions, different climate conditions, depending on where it's produced at within Scotland. Uh, and with Scotland specifically, we get into having... Regions where scotches will usually say right there on the bottle, it's from this region of Scotland, which I think makes scotch pretty unique. One of the reasons why people can just become total experts in it and never be bored. Uh, So, the first region that I'm going to talk about is definitely, I think, the easiest to pick out if you just smell a scotch. It is Isla Scotch. Uh, It is a very small island named Isla and they produce a lot of whiskey from this very small island. Uh, some other regions are going to have what's known as peat in their scotch, but typically it's not going to be nearly as dramatic as Isla is. Isla is going to have very, very strong peat taste in the whiskey. So what does it mean for a scotch to be peated? Uh, it means that they take peat and they burn it, and they use that burning peat to dry the barley that they're then going to use for the mash. Now, this is, Creates an insanely, insanely different flavor from anything else. It's going to have like campfire notes, very strong smoky notes. You've heard me mention before, you know, oh, bourbons are smoky if you haven't had a peated scotch. This is what I'm talking about. Bourbons are usually a woody, oaky, smoky flavor. This is a totally different smoky flavor. It's going to have a very earthy, smoky taste to it. Uh, And this is what Isla is known for. So typically your Isla scotches are going to have a strong peat flavor to them. And I want to mention that it creates a pretty challenging flavor, uh, which can be really good or really bad if you're not used to it and you're not ready for something that challenging. So you want to keep that in mind. If you're still really new, uh, the challenging flavor might be a little bit tough. I bought a bottle of peated scotch uh, uh, when I was pretty much first getting into whiskey. I was a little bit newer to it, and I didn't like it a whole lot. Um, And then I kind of, it just sat on my shelf, and then I got back to it later, and then I liked it quite a bit more. Uh, So you definitely need to develop uh, your taste for it a little bit. Uh, It's going to be a super strong flavor. So you just want to keep that in mind, but that is what Isla is basically going to be known for. These are going to be your brands like Laphroaig, uh, Lagavulin that you heard Zach and I mention, Ardbeg, those are Isla scotches. They tend to be pretty popular, especially amongst the folks who like that peaty flavor. Uh, the Highlands are the next region that I'm going to talk about. It's a super duper large area. This covers a whole lot of ground, uh, which gives you quite a bit of variation. I mentioned how the weather and the climate, whether you're coastal or inland, all those things kind of have an effect on the flavor, uh, and this covers a huge area, so there's going to be big differences in flavors. Uh, the flavors can range from sweet to dry, uh, they can be fruity, they can be sweet like a honey, uh, they can sometimes have a little bit of peat in there, but once again, probably not going to be like an Isla Scotch. Um, so they can they can have a huge variety of, of from a Highland Scotch, um, but they're Pretty popular. One, a couple examples that I know of that are really popular are Glen Morangie. Uh, you've probably heard of that. Dalmore. Um, odds are, if you've been in a Scotch section, you've seen both of those. Uh, they're pretty popular scotches. Uh, so the next region, moving right along, because I'm once again, I'm not getting super in-depth about any of these. I just want you to know about them in case it comes up in conversation or anything like that. Um, the next region, though, is the lowlands. So you got the highlands, you got the lowlands. The lowlands, a lot of the scotches they produce are lesser known, at least to me. Um, I haven't had a lowland scotch. I'll be completely transparent. <laughs> I don't want to be intimidating, right? Uh, I've never had a lowland scotch. Uh, but it's a very large region as well. So there's going to be a little bit of variation in the flavors. Um, they're known for the more malty, lighter, gentle, mild, all those words, the light, gentle, mild, soft. You're going to see those in the descriptions of lowland scotches. Uh, it'll typically have a sweet and grassy note um, across multiple sources. When I was looking up you know, the distinction for lowland scotches, they all said something along the lines of gentle and grassy. Um, so they're going to have a little bit of that that grassy earthiness, but a little bit of sweetness like cinnamon, uh, so kind of your spices. Uh, so th- that's what you could expect from a Lowland Scotch. Um, a couple of the brands that they're going to have is going to be Bladnoch. If I messed up the pronunciation of that, I apologize. It's B-L-A-D-N-O-C-H. Um, and Akintoshan, Uh So, once again, two that I have not heard said out loud super often because I haven't heard about them very much. I'm sure there are folks with lowland scotches just like there are with Isla, who that's what they're into. That's what they like. Um... Personally, it's just not something I've experienced, being that I am in America and typically am exposed to more bourbons than anything else. I'm working on being exposed to more scotches, though. Uh, the next region is Speyside. Uh, now Speyside has the highest concentration of distilleries in the world. Uh, they make very sweet fruity scotches. They can be, uh, have a little bit of nuttiness to them. They can be a little bit more bold, a little bit more rounded out flavor. Um, but typically they're going to have those sweet fruity flavors. Uh, now, if you've heard of a specific scotch, at least where I'm from, you've heard of a Speyside scotch, and that's the Macallan. It's one of the most popular ones, especially at least around here. Uh, Glenlivet, that's another really popular one that's from Speyside. Uh, they produce an insane amount of scotch from Speyside. Like I said, very high concentration of distilleries, uh, so they're they're pretty much killing it in the game over there. I like Speyside scotches. I've had multiple. Um, the Macallan, first of all, is, a, is an excellent scotch, so... All right, the next region that I want to talk about is the islands. Um, So this is different from Isla. Isla is a very small island, uh, and then they kind of group the rest of the islands together because Isla is um, kind of a really specific region, really specific, just this one small island that produces a bunch of these different whiskeys. Uh, I also wanted to add, which I forgot to mention, that some of these regions, if you look on certain websites, you'll see them. If you look on different websites, you won't. Um, So sometimes the islands get all grouped together. Sometimes they don't. But, typically the islands have a huge variance in flavor because there's a bunch of different islands. I forget the exact number I was reading, and it's like under 800 very small islands uh, off the coast of Scotland. Now, not all 800 are going to have distilleries or even be inhabited, um, but there are a bunch of islands off the coast of Scotland that are part of Scotland. Uh, They're going to have a huge, huge variance in flavor for that reason. Uh, Now, they can sometimes have very peaty scotches, island scotches can sometimes have a lot of peat to them. Sometimes they won't. It's another huge cause for variation. They typically have a saltiness. If you look it up, um, if you look up flavor notes online, they're going to say it's got a high like salinity flavor. It's going to have this, this salty uh, flavor being next to the ocean. Uh, so a couple of well-known scotches from the islands are Talisker, which I think you heard Zach and I talk about uh, and Highland Park So those are some pretty well-known scotches as well uh, I typically see those when I'm at the store if you're walking through like I said the liquor section now You're gonna look around you're gonna want to think oh wait. What what region was that from? It's it's pretty fun That's um, one of the things I like about scotch is how how much there is to learn about it, honestly um, so That's the islands. The last area, now sometimes I've seen this included, sometimes I haven't, is Campbelltown. Uh, Once again, hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's Campbelltown, Campbelltown, is how I'm assuming it's pronounced. Uh, It's a small area. A lot lesser known whiskies, at least to me. They're going to be sweet and salty, often fruity. Now, from what I was reading, uh, this area used to be a little bit more of a staple for distilleries, and then it kind of became less and less. I don't know if that's because Space Side kind of took over or what happened. Um, but a couple of brands from there are going to be Springbank and Glen Scotia. Um, I haven't had either of those as well. Once again, full transparency. I'm not the guy who's had three different brands from every region of Scotland. um, But that's another one that it might be good to know about in case somebody mentions it. Uh, So those are, in a nutshell, all the regions of Scotland. Hopefully you're still awake. If you're not super interested uh, in the details of whiskey, then uh, maybe I put you to sleep just now. Speaking of falling asleep, I should mention, uh, this is the first time I'm drinking coffee on the podcast rather than whiskey. Uh, I got a little carried away doing the research on scotch last night. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I found that I did not include in this episode because I got a little bit carried away, and I ran out of time to record last night. I had to do this thing called sleeping. So today I'm drinking coffee on the podcast rather than whiskey because it is very early in the morning. So... Why can people be total experts in just scotch? The variety is the reason for that. Uh, I wanted to mention that because before I knew about the regions of Scotland, before I knew about the variants that the regions of Scotland produced, I thought most scotch is barley and water. Uh, How different can they really be? And how can people just be experts in something with such a finite flavor difference? Well. Obviously, now that I've been drinking whiskey for a little while, I mentioned on the last episode that Scotch tends to have a huge amount of variety, uh, and it's not to say that bourbon doesn't have a huge amount of variety. Like I said, plenty of people who like just bourbon, it's that Scotch just has so much variety. You've got all these different regions, they're all bringing their own flavors to the game, they're all bringing their own unique twist on it, the region is giving you a saltiness if it's by the sea, it's giving you all these different flavors, which is really its just so interesting. And that's that's why there are people who are just experts in scotch. So it's not something that I would turn my nose up to. Um, I think that amongst bourbon lovers, especially in you know America where bourbon is our pride and joy, uh, scotch can be very underrated. I think scotch is a lot of fun. Learning about the different ones, trying them from different regions, it's a ton of fun. I highly recommend everybody does it. Um, but I also think scotch can be overrated in some crowds. Uh, there are some people who are like, Scotch is just the cream of the crop. Like, why drink any other whiskey? Because Scotch is just the best. And I think that's overrated. I think bourbon is excellent. I think Irish whiskey is excellent. I think all of the regions, you know, rye whiskey, Canadian whiskey, Japanese whiskey, they all have their own flavors and cool things that they bring to the ballgame. I think Scotch is just a very old and prideful type of whiskey, and it has, like I said, a very specific cult following. I think bourbon is shaping up to have a very similar cult following, if I'm being totally honest. But uh, I just wanted to mention that that, that's why it's so popular amongst some people, and they're so diehard about Scotch, because there's so much variety, there's so much to learn. Um, If you thought there was a lot to learn about whiskey... There's a lot to learn about just scotch. So there's so much that you can learn about whiskey. Don't knock it till you try it, I guess is my point. And also, you know, don't be a jerk about it. Like I said, don't be uh, like, oh, well, bourbon is just simple compared to scotch. Because bourbon makers have gotten very creative. And so there are some really cool things coming out of America as well. Uh, But... My, my, the moral of my story is, if you're a cult following of bourbon, or if you specifically drink scotch, try the other one. If you specifically drink Irish whiskey, try the other one. Try the other two. Try all of them. Uh, there's so much to, to do with all these different whiskeys. There's so much fun, uh, and I really just hope that people don't get stuck in that, you know, oh, I just like this one. I promise you, you'll find some ones that you really, really like if you try it out. I never thought I would just love a super peated scotch and now I do so it's one of those things that you really got to try And with that, I want to plug that next week we will be trying two different scotches from two different regions. Um, And if you're on the email list, once again, you know this already. Uh, But we're going to be trying two very, very, very different scotches just to show how very different scotch can taste. Uh, And I have two guests coming on the show. Uh, These guests have their own podcast. They're a lot of fun, they're really funny guys. I think you're going to really enjoy the episode. uh, So you're not going to want to miss it. And once again, it'll give you the opportunity to try scotches from different regions and see what makes them so different. So I I definitely think you should stay tuned for that next week. Um, But that's about everything about scotch in under 30 minutes that I have to say. Uh, So go out and get yourself a couple of scotches from a couple different regions and try them out and let me know what you think. Thank you for listening to this episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you like the show, make sure to help spread the word by introducing friends, coworkers, or anyone that you think would be interested. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite streaming platform, rate the show, review the show, and follow on Instagram at whiskey underscore noobs to stay up to date. If you want, you can join the email list by sending an email to whiskeynoobspodcast at gmail dot com. You'll then be updated every month on what whiskeys I'll be drinking on the show so you can drink right along with me and review it as we go. Thanks again for listening to the whiskey noobs podcast learn to drink drink to learn the whiskey noobs podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol